We have the incredible privilege this week to continue in Merit Hashem in our journey through Sefer Tehillim. And this week we find ourselves in Kapitol Samech Zayin, chapter 67. Now you'll notice that the way I've titled this year is chapter 67, part 2. So the reason I'm doing that is because in Merit Hashem you will see that we're going to do this Kapitol a little bit out of order. Next week's shir, Merit Hashem, which will be technically part two, but really part one, will be much more focused on the theme, the general theme of the capital, the historical placement of the capital, and David HaMelech's overarching message. I wanted to skip this week to Pasuk Gimel in this capital because as you will see in just a little bit, there is actually an incredible and beautiful and overwhelming tie-in to the parsha that I help that I think helps to convey David Amalek's message as well. So we'll, we'll let's take a look at the capital together, opening from source number one. So Parak Samechzain, chapter sixty-seven, Sefer Tilnamatzeh Beneginos Mizmar Shir. So literally translated for the conductor on Neginos. We'll discuss Emir Tashem what next week what Neginos is. Mizmar Shir, a song. Such beautiful words. God will be gracious to us and bless us. He will cause His countenance to shine with us forever. Beautiful. Again, we'll discuss the deeper meaning of these statements in Mirat Hashem next week's share, but here's the Pasuk we're going to focus on. Pasuk Gimel, verse 3, it's underlined in your source sheets. So let's translate these words. That your way should be known on earth, your salvation amongst all nations. So as we'll see in Miran Hashem, there is a very heavy messianic overtone to this particular capital. And of course, the last part of this Pasuk, that all of the nations will know of your salvation, seems to speak most acutely to messianic redemption. When Mashiach comes, the nations of the world will see the greatness of the Ribbono Shel Olam manifest in his salvation for Klal Yisrael, but will also realize that that salvation of the Jewish people doesn't only positively impact us, it impacts humanity as a whole. But what about this first phrase? Ladas ba'aretz darkecha. To know that your way should be known on earth. So again, the Pashat Pshat, the simple idea is, that the inhabitants of the earth, those who live in the arets, those who live on the earth, i.e. human beings, mankind, will know your way. So again, in that respect, the Pasuk maybe is a little bit redundant, but that's okay because remember, Sefer Tehillim is a book of beautiful poetry and prose by David HaMelech. And redundancy sometimes is done to convey a message, but sometimes it's also just there for stylistic purposes. So it could be the Pashup Shat, the simple meaning of the Pasuk is, that those who live in the world, mankind, will know your way, Hashem, and the nations will be known, uh, will, your, your nations will know the extent of your salvation. But you see the Mepharshim understand something a little bit different in this phrase. If you take a look at number two, the Al-Sheikh writes, ladas What does it mean? What does it mean? Ladas ba'aretz So this is incredible. So the Al-Sheikh accepts the basic premise. Ladas ba'aretz darkecha. Ladas ba'aretz means not that the earth will know, right? It's see the way we translate it is that your way should be known on earth. But of course, it's not the earth that needs to know. It's a reference to mankind. Those who inhabit the earth, mankind will know the derech, 
the derech, the pathway of Hashem. So it says the Alshech, what's the derech Hashem? What, what is the pathway of the Ribbono Shal Olam? It's an incredible kasha. Now, what, what is the derech Hashem? We have a concept like this, v'halachta bijrachav, to go ahead and walk in the path of Hashem. And even Chazal and the Gemara struggle with this. What does that mean? How can you walk in the pathway of Hashem? After all, Chalish Baruch was an all-consuming fire. The Ribbono Shalom defies comprehension. He's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, all of these things. So how can you walk? See, interestingly enough, in the Gemara, walking in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu really represents the concept of divine emulation. Whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu does, I should do the same. Mahurachum afatarachum. God is compassionate, you should be compassionate. God visits the sick, you should visit the sick. God buries the dead, you should bury the dead. And so on and so forth. So the al is intrigued by this. Ladas ba'aret There'll come a time, whether it's messianic self, whether it's messianic era or some other time, but there'll come a time where mankind will know your way. What's the derech of Hashem? So the al says something amazing. Go back to number two one more time. Look at the last phrase. The derech of HaKadosh Baruch listen to these words. The derech of Hashem is to go ahead and affect din, it means judgment, rachamim, compassion, Ka'achos, as one, as one, to affect din and rachamim as one. And here the Ashik is saying something absolutely amazing, and it's true. The Ribbono Shalom has many traits and many qualities, many, all of which we must strive to emulate. But do you know what is the true derech, the true derech of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Is that the Ribbono Shalom is able to weave together divine justice and divine compassion all into one. You see, very often from our perspective, from our vantage point, we see two different attributes of Hashem. We see din, strict justice. We see rachamim, compassion. And in general, I don't usually see rachamim in din, and I don't usually see din in rachamim. We often have these two streams of comprehension of the Ribbon because again, we see things from, from a very limited perspective. But the derech of Hashem, and when the Ribbon Shalom runs His world, and when He choreographs the events of our lives and of the universe, every single piece of divine choreography has din and rachamim woven together, interlocked in one another. That's the derech. Now the truth is, conceptually, you all know what I'm saying. Conceptually, this makes sense because we have this concept. What does it mean when we say gamzula tova? This is also for the good. On a deep, what, what, what does that mean, Gamzulatova? Gamzulatova is a recognition that even those things that look like divine judgment, even those things that look harsh, even those things that look difficult, I believe that in some way they stem from compassion, from love, from a want for a, from a Kaddish Baruch Hu to do good for me. I, I may not feel it. I may not see it. I may never actually understand it. But somehow I strive to believe it. And the truth is, it's one, of the, it's one of the hardest like theological lessons to internalize. Because we say it, everything is for good. But anyone who's ever encountered any level of suffering, 
And you know, suffering is relative. What, what, what might be suffering for you might not be such a big deal for me. And what might be suffering for me to a third person might be just a minor, minor trial or tribulation. We all have our different thresholds of suffering. But anyone who's ever suffered, whether it's with tragedy, whether it's with loss, adversity, whatever it might be, when you're going through that, it's very hard to feel the chesed Hashem. It's very hard to feel like you are enveloped by the Ribbono Shel Olam's protective embrace of divine compassion. In fact, we often feel shunned. We often feel cast aside. We often wonder to ourselves, why are you doing this to me? And in fact, lest you think that that's because, well, I'm just not on a high spiritual level. Remember, even King David, David HaMelech himself did this. When David HaMelech, in periods of adversity, said the words, Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani. Khadish where'd you go? Where did you go? How, how, how did you leave me? How did you forsake me? How did you just forget about me? What happened over here? And if King David could experience that, then Allah has come of a comma all the more so, all the more so, how much we are prone to experiencing that as well. So the Al-Sheikh says, do you want to know the power of the Messianic era? Do you know what's going to happen? So it's interesting. He says, and the truth is, we can even apply this even pre-Messianic era. What's our, what's our job? What's my goal in this world? The goal in this world is Ladas Ba'aretz Darkecho. The goal in this world of every single inhabitant, every single person, but let's just focus on ourselves right now. The goal that I have in this world, Ladas Ba'aretz Darkecho. My job is to try to see the Darach Hashem. And what is the Darach Hashem? That when I find myself in the midst of adversity, to believe with all of my heart that somehow, some way, this challenge, this difficulty, this life turbulence is also a manifestation of divine compassion. That's my avoda. That's my avoda. Now, sometimes in life, you can't see it, right? Sometimes in life, I, I don't know, I, I'd like to believe that it's divine compassion, but I can't see. I can't see how to make sense. I don't see how there's compassion in the loss of a loved one. I don't see how there is compassion in protracted illness. I don't see how there is compassion in the struggle for Parnassah. So amazingly enough, in the Messianic era, we'll be able to see things with clarity. But before Mashiach comes, our job is Lada'as. Lada'as means to know. I can know something, I can know something by believing in it, even if I can't totally make sense of it. For example, I know the world is round. Have I ever circumnavigated the world to know for sure that, no, but I know it, I, I believe it. Of course, that could be backed up by scientific fact. But my point just is, even things that you don't experience yourself, you still have the ability to know because you believe in it. I believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Do, do I have incontrovertible proof of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So, you know, you always find these books that try to, or, or these lectures try to prove the existence of God. Remember, if you could prove the existence of God beyond the shadow of a doubt, then Amuna would not be a big deal. The reason why Amuna is so profound and so precious and sometimes so challenging is because you can't prove the existence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu beyond the shadow of a doubt. You can't. But, it, but that's by design. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have revealed himself in a way that would make his existence an incontrovertible fact, but he has chosen not to. He's chosen not to. He could start the day every single morning, good morning universe, it's God. Here to say hello, let you know that I'm here, just want to make sure you know, 
But he chooses not to do that. Because what makes Emunah special is I can't prove it. And, and again, that's why sometimes a lot of these efforts to prove the existence of God, I think to a certain degree, undermine what makes Yiddishkeit the most special thing in the world. You know, many religions have laws and many religions have their commandments and have their equivalent of mitzvahs and have their moral and ethical codes. But the truth is what, what allows us to stand out, and I'm sure other religions have this facet as well, is belief is emunah. Emunah is the be-all, end-all of everything we are. Lahagid baboker chasdecha ve'emunoscha baleilos. Emotional, I believe in you. I, someone say, prove it. I can't, but I don't, I don't need to. I don't need to prove it. I just know it because I believe it. And says David HaMalach, here's something amazing. When Mashiach comes, part of what makes Messianic era so incredibly special and overwhelming is that, is that Moshiach, excuse me, there's going to be a clarity. We'll see everything. We'll see everything. It will be clear, like the sun in the midday sky. But until that time, my job is to know, to believe. I have to work on myself to get to a level of emuna where I could believe that everything that happens to me is both din and rachamim wrapped together. Everything has divine judgment and divine compassion. So that when now, again, this doesn't usually pose a challenge to us in times of good, because most people don't struggle theologically when there's bountiful bracha and everything's going their way, right? Very rarely do you hear a person when they're in the midst of going ahead and having a beautiful time in life saying, why me? You know, sometimes people will say, oh, I'm so not deserving of it. It's beautiful. But most of us, when we get brachas, even if we say we're not deserving of it, we're still saying, keep it coming. It's okay. We're good. We're good. Just, just keep, it, keep it flowing my way. The greater challenge, of course, is in the midst of adversity. Ladaas ba'aretz darkecha means my job is to know that even when I'm experiencing difficult times in life, there's rachamim, there's compassion. Even if I can't see it, and even if I can't define it or discern it or wrap my head around it, I know it and I believe it. That's the das. You can know something because you believe in it, even if you can't prove it. But I want to share with you another approach. Uh, I, I think a very different approach on this. So this, I, I, I think, again, I think learning Tehillim for just an alshich like this, for just a phrase like this, makes an entire limud worthwhile. Such a profound and overwhelming theological reality. Latas, just know in life, believe, work on my amuna. I have to work on my amuna so that when I encounter challenging times in life, I don't just say, Gamzu Latova, this is for the good, because that's what from people do when life stinks. And you have nothing better to say, so you just say, Gamzu Latova. No, I believe, I believe, I know that inside of every challenging situation, is some divine love, some divine beauty, and some divine compassion. I show me, I can't show you. Uh, I, 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 I can't point to where it is, but I could just tell you that it's there. And I believe with all of my heart that it's there. But I wanna show you something amazing. With this, we're gonna have to go on a little, bit of a, a little bit of a detour here. So if you take a look at number three on your sheet, the Pasuk says, by Yisra, Vayishma Yisra koin midyan chosin Moshe, eis kol asher so no, this week's parasha, you're going to see it's an incredible tie-in. This week's parasha, Yisro hears, Yisro was the coin Midian, heard everything that was happening to the Jewish people. He heard everything that was occurring and he decides to go ahead and 
lead and go to the Jewish people, right? He heard and he decided to go ahead and join Moshe, join Klal Yisrael, join the Jewish people. Beautiful. So Rashi comments over here and he says, Vayishma Yisro, ma shmua shama uba. What did Yisro hear that made him come and join the Jewish people? Kriyas Yamsuf, Samalik. Okay, so remember Rashi is a reactive mafarish, a reactive commentary. So Rashi will see something in the Pasuk. He'll say, wow, that's a little bit strange. And he'll go ahead and try to interpret this. So if you're Rashi, you're looking at this Pasuk, why does the Pasuk have to say Yisro heard? What's the story? The story is Yisro came and he joined the Jewish people. He brought Sipora and the boys. It was a beautiful family reunification with Moshe and the rest of his mishpacha. Yisro comes. We know the rest of the story. Yisro converts. Yisro helps Moshe with creating a legal, a judicial system. Everything is great. Why do you have to tell me Vayishma Yisro that Yisro heard? Why is that particular statement necessary at all? So, so again, so Rashi understands it to mean that for Yisro to go ahead and get up and change his life, he must have heard something amazing. So what did he hear that made him uproot his life? So on and so forth. Splitting up the seed, the war with Amalek. Some say the Aseris Adibros, because again, whether the chronology is as it's stated in the Torah is subject to dispute. Good. So the Rebbe of Piyajatzna, Rav Klonomis Kamish Shapira, May his blood be avenged. The, the Piazetzna, we know, we've spoken about him many times in years past, was a, an incredibly luminescent personality, an individual who had such a hashbal, such an, an overwhelming impact and influence before the war, but during the war, during his time in the Warsaw Ghetto, became a beacon of faith, salvation, optimism, and hope the Rebbe lost everything. Right? The, the, Rebbe's, the Rebbe's wife passed away before the war already. She's actually buried in the Warsaw Ghetto. His mother died in the ghetto. He had a son, his son and daughter-in-law who were both killed during the aerial bombardment by the Germans in, uh, in, into Poland. And the last surviving family and family member was a daughter by the name of Rachel. And in fact, in the introduction to the Ish Kodesh, he writes about the fact that his daughter was deported. He did not know what had happened to her. By the time he was writing, she had already been murdered in Dachau. So the Piazetzna was a man who lost, who lost everything. But amazingly enough, despite having lost everything, he managed somehow to infuse so much hope and optimism and holiness into the broken and battered flock that he was shepherding at that time. So I've mentioned many times before that the Rebbe would often convene a minion on Shabbos. That minion met at different places, sometimes in public, sometimes in hiding, and he would deliver a drasha. After Shabbos, those drashas were recorded. There's a historical debate if the Rebbe himself wrote it or perhaps it was a Gabbai who wrote it. Either way, it was written down. And then towards the end, when it was clear that the ghetto was going to be liquidated, the drashas were buried in a canister buried in the ghetto. After the war, a Polish peasant who was clearing debris through the, from the ghetto found the canister and those manuscripts were put together in a sefer that is titled Ish Kodesh, Holy Fire. So I'm going to quote to you now from a drasha that the Rebbe gave on Parshas Yisro. Parshas Yisro. The date the Rebbe gave the drasha was January 7th, 1940. January 7th, 1940. So Really, really incredible, almost oh, a little bit more than 81 years ago. 81 years ago, the Rebbe gave this drasha. And this is, not, I'm going a little bit out of order for just a moment. He quotes, this is in number seven on your sheet. So the Rebbe, the Rebbe quotes the Rashi that we just saw in number four. 
Ma Shmua Shama Uba. What what did what did Yisro hear? What did Yisro hear that made him want to go ahead and join the Jewish people? So the Rebbe is intrigued by this. The Rebbe says, first of all, what does Rashi mean? What kind of question is that? Think about this for just a moment, right? If we go with what Rashi was saying that, what is it that motivated Yisro to come and join the Jewish people? Well, remember, the Torah says, if you go, I'm sorry for going back and forth, if you go back to number three for just a moment, the Torah is pretty explicit. Vayishma Yisro koin midyan chosin Moshe, the Pasik says, you what did Yisro hear? Yisro heard everything. That's what it says. He heard everything. So if he heard everything, what 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 what's what's there to talk about? You, you just you just you could see what he heard. In other words, what's what's the meaning? What's the deeper meaning of it? Rashi's saying, Mashmushamba, what did Yisro hear that made him want to join? The Pasuk says, Yisro heard everything. So therefore the Rebbe says, Rashi can't be simply asking a question of what did Yisro hear that made him want to come because the Pasuk says that he heard everything. Remember, what did Yisro hear? Yisro heard everything that Hashem did for Moshe and for, for Kalal Yisrael. So look what the Rebbe says. If you look at number seven, paragraph Beis. Avo, Kabbalah Satorba Midbar Haisam. So I'm going to tell you this part. We're going to look at it. Actually, take a look at number five for just a moment. So the Rebbe quotes from the Pasuk and Shema, Pasuk that Baruch Hashem we're all very familiar with. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hero Israel, Hashem is our God. Hashem is one. You should love Hashem with all of your heart with all of your soul, and with all of your means. Beautiful. Rashi HaKadosh comments over here in number six. What does it mean to love Hashem with all of your heart? What, what does that mean? Remember, Bechol Nafshecha means with all of your life. Even if you have to give your life for HaKadosh Baruch you have to stand ready to do so. What is Bechol Nafshecha with all of my heart? So Rashi says, B'Shnei Yitzracha. Rashi gives two opinions. First opinion is, with both of your inclinations, your Yetzir Hara and your Yetzir Atov. I say, your Yetzir Atov, Yetzir Hara, your good inclination and your evil inclination. Okay, how you love HaKadosh Baruch with your evil inclination? That's a different shear. Davar another possibility. Bechalavavcha, shelo yihiyeh libcha chalok al hamakum. So Rashi says, Bechalavavcha also means with all of your heart, that your heart should not be divided against God. Or should not be divided, we'll call it divided against God. Now, what does that mean? On a basic level, what Rashi is saying is like this. The thing we have to avoid, one of the things we have to avoid most in our Yiddishkeit is being a fair weather Jew. I love HaKadosh Baruch Hu when everything goes my way. When my children are doing what they're supposed to be doing. When my marriage is good. When my parnas is good. When my health is good. I love HaKadosh Baruch Hu when things are good. Rashi says you have to love Hashem. Don't be, don't be a fair-weather Jew. Don't be a fair-weather devotee. Don't be a fair-weather chassid. Don't be a fair-weather follower. Love HaKadosh Baruch with all of your heart. This kind of goes back to what the Al-Sheikh was saying before. That, think about this for just a moment. Right? Imagine for a moment the chassid and kala under the chuppah. Bride and groom, first moments of their marriage, the chassid turns to kala and says, You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. I hereby pledge to love you as long as everything in our life goes well. But 
if we hit some turbulence, if we hit some rocky points, mm, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't commit. I can't commit that I'm going to be with you throughout, through all of that. So the Kala would think to herself, I, 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 I wish you would have told me this a couple of months ago when we were dating. I probably wouldn't be standing here next to you. The true testament of our relationship is the ability to remain in it. Even when times are difficult and even when circumstances are overwhelming. Can't be a fair weather Jew. I have to stick back of the Shparuchu. No matter what is happening in life, in times of good and in times of difficulty. But Piazetna comes along and he says something absolutely amazing. He says, pause this for just a second. He says, let me ask you this question. He says, right after, right after Yisro's episode, right in Parashas Yisro, the seminal event of the parish really of the Torah and all is, is Matan Torah, Kabbalah Torah, Senaitic Revelation. And where does our Kaddish Baruch Hu give us the Torah? So the Piyajat writes, we have the Torah writes, Bemid Bar Sinai, in the middle of nowhere. Literally in the middle of nowhere. No habitation, no city, no nothing. Middle of nowhere. Ask the Piyajat, let me ask you this. If you were the event planner for Matan Torah, right? You, were the, you got the call from our Kaddish Baruch Hu, from Moshe Abenu, we need you to plan the, the venue for Matan Torah. What would be the ideal venue? Eretz Yisrael for sure. And we're in Eretz Yisrael. I would, if I was the event planner, I would have said Harabayis. What's the Shiloh? The future site of the Beis Hamikdash, the future site of the first, second, and Bishat Tovim Mutzlachos, the third temple. That's the place, the site where the Gemara says that's the, the Harabayis is the place where Hashem took the earth to create Adam Arishon. That is the place where the Akedah happened. That is the place where Yaakov Avinu had his dream. That's the place where everything happens. Everything happens. Jewish past, Jewish future, Jewish destiny, Harabayis is the address. So wouldn't the proper venue for Kabbalah Satorah been on Harabayis? And the Piazetzna says something amazing. He says, no, and I'll tell you why. He says, because the problem is, if the Torah would have been given on Harabayis, you would have thought that spirituality is geographically tethered to one place. Ah, Kabbalah Satorah was in Eretz Yisrael. So it's only in Eretz Yisrael that you could have Torah, that you could have a relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And again, it's, it's not, you, you, would take, you would take this, so therefore, if, if I'm geographically tethered, if I'm in the right place, then ultimately, again, I could have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I could have a relationship with Torah Mitzvah. Now again, to be clear, of course, Eretz Yisrael is unique. No, no one of us could ever dispute the uniqueness and special holiness of Eretz Yisrael. But had the Torah, which is the very covenant between God and the Jewish people, been given on Harabayis in Eretz Yisrael, you would have thought that the only place where Torah can flourish, the only place where spirituality could exist, the only place where man and God could truly have an enduring relationship, is in Eretz Yisrael. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not want to convey that message. Because as much as Eretz Yisrael is unique and special and unlike any other land, and the Jew could really only fully actualize every, activate and actualize every component of his Nisham in Eretz Yisrael, there is Ruchnius wherever we choose to actualize it. There is holiness wherever we choose to be. Our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not tethered to geography, even to the holiest of places. Vaharaya, the proof, Torah was given in the Midbar. 
Torah was given in the middle of nowhere to highlight this very lesson. You could be in a wasteland. You could be in a desert. You could be in a diaspora. You could be wherever you are. And understand, spirituality is always accessible to you. Understand that you always have the ability to forge a meaningful and passionate relationship with the Ribbono Shal Olam. And says the By the way, just as an aside, Rabbi Yitzhak Abraditchev comments on this. He says that when Moshe, this is the end of Chumash Tavarim, actually beginning of Chumash Tavarim, when Moshe Rabbeinu is leading the people up to Eretz Yisrael, so one of the things he commands them is that when they enter into the land, they are to write the Torah, or as they enter in, they are to write the Torah Be'er Hetiv in 70 languages. 70 languages. And a lady Yitzchak says, why does it have to be written in 70 languages? Klaal Yisrael, well, what do we speak? Uh, Hebrew? Of course, Yiddish. Write some English. Write some Hebrew. What do you need 70 languages? So the Rebbe says something amazing. Because the fact that Torah was written in 70 languages indicates to us that wherever the Jew finds him or herself, in whatever land, in whatever dialect, whatever language they speak, Torah is accessible to us wherever we are. Relationship with Hashem is accessible to us wherever we are. Connection with the Ribbono Shal Olam is accessible to us wherever we are. And in fact, the Rebbe goes on, he says, if you notice the Torah, certain strange words are included. For example, the word for tefillin is totafos. Totafos, we translate it as a sign. Rashi says, Totafos is a contraction of two words, tat and pas. Right? So Rashi says, tat in one language is two, right? Pas, tat bekafsi in kafsi language is two, pat bavriki, bafriki is two, and therefore two and two is four, four sections, four, four, four compartments of the, of the, of the tefillin. It's like, why? Why don't, why don't you just use a Hebrew word? Why do you have to go ahead and use something from Kafsi, something from Afriki? Lavan and Yaakov Avinu make a covenant, right? They make like a line of demarcation when Yaakov is going back to Canaan. And each of them essentially say, no one passes over the line. So the Torah says they piled up a pile of stones. Yaakov called the place Galid, and Lavan called it Yegar Sahadusa. Yegar Sahadusa is literally Galid, a pile of testimony. Why do we need Lavan's Aramaic name for the place in the Torah? This is the Rebbe, says Rabbi Yitzchak. Because Torah Kadosh is telling us the fact that these foreign languages appear in the Torah tells you that Torah can exist and thrive even on the most alien of soils. That wherever the Jew is, Torah is accessible. Torah is attainable. Relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is achievable. This is so incredibly important because you understand that this is not just about geography. Geography is the first step. But, well, let's first come back to the Piyazetzna. So the Piyazetzna says something amazing. He says, this is the meaning of Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi says, going back for a moment to number six. Rashi, what does it mean? to Hashem b'cha Shelo libcha chaluk al hamakum. So listen to this incredible insight by the Piyazetzna. So the Rebbe says, everyone thinks, your, your, your heart should not be divided against the Makom. But Makom, we assume, means HaKadosh Baruch Hu says the Rebbe, no. Makom means the geographic place. means, let not your heart tell you that spirituality can only be found in this Makom and not that Makom. That is false. Let your heart not be divided against the place. Don't let your heart tell you, Oh, Ruchnius, 
that's in Eretz Yisrael, right? But nowhere else. No, not true. Again, of course, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it. Eretz Yisrael is unique of the unique. Nothing is like Eretz Yisrael. And of course, we must always try to figure out how to get back home and when we're going to get back home and yearn and pine and daven and work towards that each and every day. But we're talking now the Metzius day-to-day life. Sometimes people think that, oh, it's only Eretz Yisrael that could have the Ruchnius, right? You see this a lot of time when men and women come back from learning, from learning in Eretz Yisrael for a year, for a couple of years, they come back and they're often so sad and so depressed because there's like a feeling like, oh, I had so much Ruchnius, so much holiness, and now what do I have? And it's not true. It's, not, it's different. There's no question. You can't recreate Eretz Yisrael outside of Eretz Yisrael. We're not supposed to. Eretz Yisrael is supposed to remain unique and a singular experience. But with all of your heart, do not allow your heart to be geographically divided. Don't allow your heart to tell you you could have a Ruchnius here, but you can't have it here. Not true. Not true. Wherever you want Ruchnius, wherever you want relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it is achievable and it is attainable. Now says the Piyajat, now we go back and we see what Rashi was saying. Remember Rashi's question in Parshas Yisro? Rashi's question in Parshas Yisro was back in number four on your sheet. Vayishma Yisro. So Rashi says, the question is, Ma Shmua Shama Uba. What did Yisro hear that made him come and join Klal Yisro? Says the Piyajat, do you know what Rashi's asking? Yisro wants to convert. Beautiful. All the power to you. Incredible. Wonderful. Magnificent. Exceptional. Incredible. Why do you have to leave Midyan? Why don't you just send a message to Moshe? Moshe, do me a favor. Send me Amalamid. Send me a teacher. I want to convert. I want to join the spiritual ranks of the Jewish people. But at the end of the day, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of happy where I am. Got a nice life. Everything is good. Why did he have to join Klal Yisrael? Why, 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 why did he have to pick up and go? What, what, what was the point of that? That's the question that Rashi was asking. It's not what motivated Yisro to join the ranks of the Jewish people. That, the Pasuk says. Yisro heard everything. And by the way, everything means everything. He heard the Makas, he heard the Tzias and Shai, he heard the Yamsov, he heard Amalek, he heard everything. But the Kasha, the Shaila is, so why do you have to leave Midian? You're, 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 the, you're the father, you're the Shvera of the leader of Klal Yisro. Ask him to send you a Rebbe, or a Rebbe, depending on which direction you want to go in, right? So ask him to send you a teacher. And that's it. Why do you have to uproot your family, uproot your life, and go and join them in the middle of nowhere, the middle of the desert? But Elamai says the Piyajetzna, because Yisra understood that the greatness of Klal Yisrael was the ability to be in the middle of nowhere and yet still remain so profoundly connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How could it be? I understand in Midian, when I have my house, I have my shtibol, I have my this, I have my that, I have my supermarket, I have my restaurant. When I have all the infrastructure of Jewish living, oh, then I could be a good Jew. No, but Yisrael understood, it's incredible. How could millions of people be in the middle of nowhere and yet still have revelation? How can millions of people be wandering around for decades and yet still remain rooted in a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Because this is the Koach of Klal Yisrael. Because the power of our people is What does it mean to love Hashem with all of your heart? I am not tethered to geography, or better stated, my relationship with HaKadosh Baruch my relationship with Torah is not tethered 
to a particular address. Wherever I am, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is right there with me. And when, wherever I am, that is where my Torah is present as well. Wherever I am, that is where I have the unique ability to be connected to the Ribbono Shalom. So Yisrael saw this and he said, you know what? I, gotta, I, I, I have to see this and experience this myself because I, I, don't, I don't understand it. All I know is how to find, quote-unquote, God embedded in the structured framework of a community, of a place, of an address. But that God, you can find God anywhere and everywhere, I have to see it for myself. So the Shaila of Rashi was why Yisrael felt compelled to leave the comforts of home to go to the Midbar to the Jewish people. Just ask Moshe to send them a Lamed. Just ask them to send a teacher. And the Piyajetzin explains because Yisrael understood that it's this very ability to find the Kaddish Baruch Hu anywhere and everywhere that is the hallmark of Klal Yisrael. And dear friends, you have to appreciate this is the Piyajetzna. The Piyajetzna is giving this over to the Kehila in the Warsaw Ghetto. I often call the Congregation of the Brokenhearted. January 7th, 1940. There's no more children in the ghetto. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing. And what is, he, what is he telling them? You could find the Kaddish Baruch Hu even in the desert. You could find the Kaddish Baruch Hu even in the barbaric nature and profound sadness of the ghetto. You could establish a relationship with that Kaddish Baruch Hu wherever you are. But the truth is, we understand the Piyajetzna is not just talking about geography. Because a lot of times a person could go ahead and be geographically rooted, but I'm emotionally nomadic. I'm emotionally all over the place. I just feel unsettled. I just feel unhappy. I just don't like the circumstances of my life for a variety of different reasons. And even in those moments, I feel that because everything is not beseder, everything is not in order, therefore I don't have the ability to have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch And the Piyajetzna says, a relationship with Hashem is always available to you. What, what an overwhelming lesson. I can always have a relationship with Hashem, whether I'm in Eretz Yisrael or whether I'm in the desert, whether I'm geographically where I should be or geographically displaced, whether I'm in an emotionally good spot or I'm experiencing emotional turbulence. Whatever is happening in my life, wherever I am, either geographically, emotionally, cognitively, spiritually, wherever I am, our relationship with Hashem is open and accessible to me as well. And now let's link this back to Tehillim. Because perhaps this is the message that Talat HaMelech was conveying to us as well. So remember again, we were trying to figure out David HaMelech is telling us that the job of the inhabitants of the Aretz is to know the derech of Hashem. But, but perhaps, perhaps there's a different lesson over here. Ladas Ba'aretz. That ultimately, again, our job is to go ahead and understand the lesson of the Aretz, the lesson of the land, Darkecha in terms of forging our own ways, or better stated, let me say it a little bit differently, that we have to know that wherever we are, Ba'aretz, wherever we are in the land, Darkecha, we have the ability to connect to the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ladas, the most important mindset for the Jew, is Ba'aretz, wherever I am. And again, as I said before, Aretz doesn't just have to mean geography. Aretz also means emotions, spirituality. Where am I holding in life? Because we know your address could be stable, but your inside is all tumultuous. 
So why do you have to know in life? What is the most important lesson? Ladas, Ba'aretz, wherever I am in life. Eretz Yisrael, the desert. Inner tranquility, inner turbulence. Happy, unhappy. Content, not content. Wherever I am, Darkecha. I have the ability to connect to the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You see, the beauty of a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that He makes Himself available to us no matter what is happening in life. You know, sometimes we think that like we have to have everything in order in order to have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I have to daven well. I have to keep mitzvahs well. I have to not speak Lashon Hara. I have to give tzedakah. I have to do all of these things. These are like the prerequisites for my relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I need to be like Eretz Yisrael outside and Eretz Yisrael inside. And it's not true. First of all, because most of us never actually get to that state where everything is in order. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us so much that He desires us as we are. He always wants us to improve, always wants us to become better, but yearns and pines for that relationship whenever we are willing to engage, whenever we are willing to commit. And that's what David HaMalach is saying, Ladas, Ba'aretz Darkecha. No, one important lesson. Ba'aretz, wherever you are in this world, homeland, wasteland, Israel, desert, good place, not so great place, Darkecha. Find the ability and find the koach to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the best of your ability. V'yahavta es Hashem Elokecha b'chalavavcha shelo yelibcha chalakalamokum. So it turns out, from this little phrase, three words, three words, Ladas, Ba'aretz, Darkecha. We learned two incredible life lessons. It's amazing. This is why it takes us all to get through a safer tale in three words. First is the lesson of the Alshich, that ultimately, again, it is the job of every human being in this world to know the Darach of Hashem. And the Darach of Hashem is to know that there's always Rachamim and Din interwoven and combined with one another. That even the most difficult circumstances of life, ultimately, again, have an element of rachamim, of divine compassion. And even if we can't see it, we have to know it because we believe it. And lesson number two, wherever you are in the arets of life, wherever you are geographically or emotionally, find the courage to create a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the best of your ability. The relationship doesn't have to be perfect. The relationship doesn't have to be overwhelmingly beautiful because sometimes in life our circumstances are such that I don't have the koach or the ability to forge a deeper or more overwhelming relationship. But wherever you are in the arts, find the courage to connect with your God. Find the courage to connect with the Rebbe Shalom and know how badly He is waiting to forge that relationship, to create that connection with you no matter where you are. Wishing everyone a wonderful day in Emirates Hashem. Looking forward to continuing in Kapitel Samech Zayin next week.